I'm Maeve Doyle, and you're listening to A Private View from Made in Paisley. I'm here with Alexander Guy. I've been uh, wanting to talk to Sandy for a long time. I've heard a lot about him, and I'm happy to say hi, Sandy. Hello there. Hi, Maeve. Thank you for taking the interview. So the first question I'll ask is... If you, in your own words, were to say who you are and what you do, how would you how would you express that? And don't hold back. Uh, I'm Sandy. I'm primarily a painter. I paint uh, figurative imagery. Always have done. I like to think of my work as unclassifiable and accessible, uh, without being populist. Uh, so I've just. Uh, developed uh, handwriting over the years. Uh, well, it's not. It's just got better over the years. Actually, it's the same. Um, and it's it's about uh, location where I am. I've travelled a lot uh, during my career, um, and I've lived many places internationally. And so I would say my work was. A record, almost like an, um, a contemporary archaeological record of where I'm at. Would you say time capsules? Yes. Um, the, the work that I'm doing at home, ironically enough, is called Time Capsule. Uh, um, it's, it's called Time Capsule dot 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 in brackets, a selection of footwear popular in on planet Earth in 2023 and it uh, consists of uh, trainers or sneakers you might call them yeah mm. so yeah yeah. I see myself as making a record of where I am at the time so that hence I my inspiration comes from uh, moving around uh, in different countries, uh, different cultures, and uh, what countries and what cultures? Well, I left, I left Scotland uh, when I was sixteen, and I moved. This was before I finished school, and I moved down to London and worked down there, and I, I really liked the. Uh, it was a little bit different from my uh, agricultural village background. Uh, up in Fife in Scotland and then I went to Dundee Art School and studied there uh, with the mind of uh, furthering my studies in London so I went down to London and liked it there and then I where did I go next? Well I lived in London for 20 years but I spent uh a year in Spain, south of Spain, a year in Germany, uh, a year in, in south of France, no, f- and then five years in the south of France. Well, I lived in New York for three years and Memphis, Tennessee, uh, because I was a big Elvis fan. I was doing I was doing Elvis paintings at that time. Uh, Italy, I lived there for uh, about six months. So the work is. If I look back, it was strange when I made the website uh, because um, 
when I was looking at the work, I was just saying that uh, I'd never actually noticed it, but it's just all reflects uh, geographical, really, ge a record of my... It's almost like uh, holiday photographs, but in, a, in paintings, yeah. If you haven't seen Santi's website, I encourage you to go to it, alexanderguy.com. It's um, like your paintings, and and the categories do change. They do look like you've had a change, and I now know it's because you've moved countries, yeah. or, or you're being influenced by a different location or a different culture. Mm. Yes. Uh, so now, uh, this is, uh, I came to Glasgow um, in, 2010, and this is the longest time I've ever stayed in one place because it's got it's got a London vibe, but it's easier. It's easier to navigate, um, and then so it's my work in Glasgow has uh, gone from high flats when I was homeless. Uh, then uh, junk food. Um, again, when I was quite uh, down on my luck. Uh, then, uh, what was the next theme? Supermarkets. Uh, during lockdown, I did a series of paintings about the local supermarket because that's, that's the only place I really went for a year. And that, I had a show in New York. So it's just all based on uh, products, supermarket products. Just in case you think there's anything other than lightness and a sort of charm to Sandy's paintings, the, the, the topics you're dealing with are quite heavy. They're, they're serious human condition topics, but your, your way of painting them adds this amazing humor, almost pop culture look to them, yeah. which makes it easier to deal with the situation. That's probably to do with my uh, background. I can tell you why, where that comes from. Uh, as a child, uh, none of my family were at all interested in art, none of them. And the, um, well, I kind of thought they were, but they weren't really. Um, so I, I never went to an art gallery or a museum until about the age of when I went to art school. So prior to that, uh, my main influences were uh, TV, uh, especially as a child. Um, I don't know if you remember Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet. Uh, I didn't even realise that until I made the website that my, my portraits are direct, <laughs> directly, uh, not rip-off, but influenced by Thunderbirds uh, on all the... Uh, I was fascinated as a child by Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet. Uh, and then cartoons, um, like, say, Hanna-Barbera or... Tom and Jerry especially, uh, the Pink Panther cartoons. So there's a cartoony element, not so much now, but there's that, there was that the pop element which uh, was later, later refined by me actually seeing pop art.
But at that time, I was copying, um, as a child, as a teenager, uh, a picture, I was making copies of, uh, I was drawing and painting uh, pop stars from my sister's uh, Jackie magazines. Uh, and then also because at school I was good at three things and I, I've always, uh, I was only interested if I was really, really good at something. Um, it wasn't the taking part, I wanted to be the best. So it was at school, uh, it was, I wanted to be a footballer, a pop star, or an artist, because that's the three things that were uh, I was quite outstanding at. Uh, football fell by the wayside because I was a very late developer and it was very much a, a, a knuckle-dragging sort of like thing, you know, so you're always getting injured. Um, and then music, which I pursued, uh, became played in lots of bands and stuff. But the art thing, um, I was the best uh, in the school of art, so, uh, and that became the natural thing to pursue in terms of furthering my education or something, you know, so, cause you don't go to uh, pop star art school or whatever, you know. So then, so, yeah, so then, uh, at art school I got the opportunity to, uh, Travel. I knew I'd heard that you'd studied with Paul Arrego. Mm -hmm. You'd studied with some great people at art school, and, and you went to Glasgow School of Art as well as the Royal College of Art, which there's serious times to be at those schools. Uh, I taught at Glasgow. I didn't study at Glasgow. Uh, I was, except for the Royal College of Art, on the... Um, on the advice of an artist called Jock McFadgen, uh, another artist who was... Right. Yeah, but he thought I was, my work was more with a, uh, to do with the, uh, not the style, but the language of the Royal College of Art, which was at that time run by a character called Peter de Francia, who was a friend of Fernand Leger. Uh, so that's when my, my second amount of influences came into my work. So there was the, the childhood ones, which were, as I've described already, uh, and then then um, it was a series of uh, exhibitions that I saw uh, in, during my time, both at Dundee and in London. Uh, which probably I didn't I didn't see myself as copying, but I think I took little bits from. So my main cornerstone exhibitions were Andy Warhol, and then uh, the Mexican uh, muralists and Max Beckman. Uh, these were all London exhibitions during my time down there. And then I saw, I was uh, a Philip Guston retrospective in Amsterdam, which I thought was uh, quite amazing. Uh, I'm probably forgetting a few, but th these, uh, there was Frida Kahlo, um, and then I saw Magritte in Dusseldorf. 
so that kind of if you kind of jam them all together um, that's probably uh, where the foundations for my practice yeah uh, but I don't think my work really looks like any of them but um, it developed through them it's as though you learned a unique visual vocabulary through studying others' visual language. Yeah. And, and I don't quite have the words to describe what your language is, but it's fun, and it seems timeless to me. And it also seems also like the past and the future kind of meet somewhere in your paintings. As an artist, you're, also, you're always very uh, self-critical, I remember having a tutorial with the art, uh, pop artist uh, Peter Blake and I, I said to him, uh, do you think, <laughs> I said, I'm really worried about my work, this was uh, in London, I said, uh, because I think it might look ret uh, retro and he says, well, where do you live? I says, well, in a one-bedroom flat with my ex-wife and, well, she wasn't ex at that time, and two young children. Uh, and so, and he said, well, so you drive a second-hand car? Yes. And you, you use a laundrette? Yes. And most things you get in second-hand shops? Yes. <laughs> so it, they're not retro, it's just lifestyle. And so don't be afraid of that. And that, that was good advice for me, because uh, I, I was always thinking that my paintings were either nostalgic or sentimental in some sort of way. Um, when I thought, I thought they were uh, really serious, but I mean, the humor element that you mentioned, um, <laughs> uh, I don't see them as funny, but uh, or um, or even mildly amusing. I, I don't try and make them. I can maybe make the titles um, slightly amusing, but um, I think they're uh, they're just they're not they're not meant to be funny. Maybe it's the way you paint them. So, for instance, so this piece. It's called keeping it real. It's in an amusement park. Yeah. Fairgrounds. Uh, when I was a teenager, because of uh, my very local, um, very, very local, in the town that I lived, uh, notoriety as, a, as an artist, uh, I was taken on by the fairground to repair machines. Not repair machines, repair the paintwork on fairground machines. Uh, which meant like uh, a lot of sign sign writing, uh, vivid colours. Um, I think that was normally done by someone with uh, the right materials and skills and all the kind of funny brushes and stuff like that. But so I learned. To, I was employed once a year by this travelling fairground. Uh, basically for money, to repair 
repair, uh, like say, like Dodgems or the Waltzers, or the machines that that got slightly tatty over the year, you know. So every summer the the fair guy would come into the, the, the town and. Uh, I would go up and then I'd, I'd go around all the machines and I would uh, take little brushes, not not the kind of uh, sign writing brushes, just and ask to could you could you fix that one because it's got a big chip on it or could you that one's faded so can you tart that up and stuff. So that was again uh, um, going back to my early early influences and it's still there. Um, it's, it's still in the work. Uh, so fairgrounds is probably the core of the one that you're talking about. And there's another reason I think there's humour, and I think maybe that is, and maybe this is the way, maybe this is the lesson I need to learn. Even the the wonderful espresso machine behind it feels like a nod to Warhol. It feels like your your version of a soup can. And I could be completely wrong, and you may not even mind that I think that, but it's a it's a really close-up painting of an espresso maker, and it's just so beautiful. And I don't notice the beauty in everyday objects. So I find that I find that maybe funny's not the right word. I find that mis- curious. Uh, the thing about Warhol. That I liked was his, uh, not only the ones, not only his work about stars, um, Elizabeth Taylor, Chairman Mao, you know, all that, but his, his kind of glorification of the mundane, like the Brello boxes and, and all that sort of stuff, uh, soup cans, and when I saw that, I thought that's really that's really kind of what I've been doing when I was a teenager because I didn't know anything about art. So I'd be sitting at home drawing, yeah, drawing, um, yeah, soup Your can, yeah. soup can, like in, out of the cupboard or something. So, um, so it's basically a, uh, yeah, an attempt to monumentalise uh, everyday mundane objects. Um, yeah, without becoming them becoming about nostalgia. It's important to me that everything that I'm making is that's the only rules I've really got. If I, if I see old old cinema from the seventies, eighties, nineties, when I was like teenager, student, artist. Uh, I still my my aesthetic, natural aesthetic is towards uh, towards objects that look like from from that period or something. You know? So then there's another another uh, aspect that's in the work is Soviet art. Um, I really like. I saw a a show. Uh, a, Massive show in in the Guggenheim in New York. That was Guggenheim, yeah. Or uh, of Soviet art, and this was this was in the early nineties, and I thought it was amazing. Not only not only the um, the paintings, 
like Malevich and artists like that, but dresses, like dresses with tractors patterns. And I thought it was crazy. It's like, and then tea, tea sets with uh, cement mixers and stuff. And I thought it was great. You're seeing art off the canvas, out of the frame. Yeah. It, it becomes a way to live. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, that's great. That's the... I thought, that's uh, really what art should be able to do. Uh, so if you're going to a wedding or someone, you're going to a wedding, there's wedding dresses in this exhibition, like I said, with tractor designs on them. I thought that's crazy, you know. It's, it's although I, I can't uh, make dresses. I thought right, I can if I can make my paintings somehow have the same accessibility uh, about everyday things that are familiar to uh, most people. Then, then I didn't deliberately do that, but that's that's where where the work kind of evolved, yeah. So normally I ask, what is art for? In your case, I'd like to ask you what the role of the artist is. The role of the artist, that's a complicated question. Um, the role of the artist uh, is to challenge um, not only the history of art, but to provide imagery that creates uh, not friction, but invites people to uh, maybe explore or have dialogue or, or discussion. Um, uh, to give people Mm, pleasure. I think that's. I think I. Uh, I suffer from the. The syndrome of being a little bit of a people pleaser, uh, but I don't mind that. That's just. Uh, I want people to like me, and I want people to. Uh, like my work because I. <laughs> um, I do care. I do care about. Uh, uh, and plus, um, I've got a, an obsession since since I was a child with. Uh, uh, I remember I used to say it to my parents, and they used to tell me that I was talking rubbish. Uh, I'm going to be a famous pop star. I'm going to be a famous or a famous artist or a famous footballer. But that's what I'm going to be. Uh, and my parents would say to me, "Well." Maybe you should just think about uh, getting a job and doing something. I says, no, uh, my heroes um, are, I always had heroes, uh, and my heroes in my formative years were uh, John Lennon, Lou Reed, David Bowie, Bowie. Um, Elvis Presley. Elvis, yes. Uh, uh, and I say, if I'm going to be, uh, if I'm going to be famous, then uh, 
how do you make paintings? What do they? Why are they famous? What what makes them? What makes them different for me? Uh, from um, was it B celebrities or uh, what makes them special? Uh, and I says I want my art to do that. And I'm not saying it will, but I'd like to aspire to. So uh, so I would say like. What um, if I was making exhibitions? I always think, right? I need. I'm making an album, so I need maybe one hit single, two other blockbusters, and maybe four B sides. Uh, and I'll, and that that constitutes my uh, philosophy for making art shows. And it's usually, um, and it's always been like that. And it, it might seem uh, immature, but that's just, uh, that's how I approached. Um, I always ask my partner, Caroline, when I've done a painting, so, uh, what, what does that painting sound like? Mm -hmm. uh, what band does that painting sound like? Or what, what, uh, what song does that paintings remind you of? And at first, when I met her, she didn't quite grasp that, but I think it's uh, my musical background. It's just like, um, right, so I want this to look, I want this to sound like the Ramones, look like the Ramones. That one is Wipeout. <laughs> Wipeout. <laughs> Could be, yeah. Uh -huh. um, in fact, I used to play Wipeout as a cover, yeah. Uh, I, so, um, yeah, so I see them as uh, almost like painted songs, if that doesn't sound too pretentious. No, not pretentious at all. For you, the energy of now was what you wanted. You wanted the energy of now and to leave your imprint, which is why time capsules came up. Yeah. Uh, Still, you're looking for the now. What's your life about? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, uh, so it's a record of what's currently um, what's currently geographically where I am, and at the moment it's uh, predominantly Glasgow. So, for instance, this uh, right, I got involved with the the gallery, Carl Costello Gallery, about three years ago. And they very much promote this uh, the group of the uh, group of artists who who show there almost like as a family. Yeah. Right. So most of them are between I would say between 25 and 35 years old are the ones that I've encountered. Uh, very nice people, Great. very young, and they're always going on about uh, the the 90s. But they weren't about in the 90s. But they're fascinated by it. Yeah, like my generation was fascinated by the 70s. Well, I, I grew up in the 70s as a teenager, obviously. Uh, so so within that family that I described at Carl Costell, uh, I've become almost a little bit like the senior figure. So this is my kind of homage to the 90s. And this is how I remember the 90s. Uh, Did you paint it for the... Kids, the young artists who like yeah. nice. Uh, 
That, uh, sort of. That is very uh, nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you said to me earlier before we started speaking that when you were teaching art in art schools, you told artists that they had to do a few things. One of them was talk to people. One of them was get a look together. Mm-hmm. What were the other ones? Um, okay, so after getting the image, self-image sorted out, uh, then obviously they're in, they're in an art school situation, so they've been selected, so they've obviously got... Uh, talent so I would say uh, if you're in an art school um, in order to uh, um, maximise the impact of your your work you've got to make it uh, the biggest the boldest, the brightest uh, of your idea I mean, it could be something quite humble uh, and very gentle, but but make it make it shout, because uh, your shop window is your degree show, and if you want a, a first class honours, I'd really encourage you to, throughout the the final year, uh, you tactically target every single member of staff who you know are going to be marking your degree work so that they think that they, uh, it flatters their ego to think that they've had a piece of this, that they've uh, been part of the process of your education. And success. And therefore they'll mark you another 10%. And they did. And that's, how, that's why... Being likeable counts. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah... And that's to so dress like a star, uh, command a room, um, be charismatic, and don't be afraid to, however shy you are, because we're all shy, uh, but um, you're, in, you're in a situation where in your final year at art school, you are, um, this is your diving board into the swim pool of adulthood, basically. You know? So that was how I, that's how I operated at art school, and that's where I, like I said earlier on, when we were standing outside, that's where I became uh, disillusioned because I found this, I found a way to almost uh, play with the education system, and. Uh, my two studios uh, in Dundee latterly, I had two studios of students, uh, it became almost, I was accused of almost like having a kind of cult going on. Um, the downside of that is, um, well, it's not a downside because a lot of them did really well, actually, and a lot of them from, from the... And a school of thought isn't a cult. It was people who were maybe ju- maybe threatened by you or thought you had too much influence over the students. They would use a word like that because it's inflammatory. Sounds to me like you were generating thoughts and ideas and it was a school of thought. I was teaching artists to be young, young, well, art students in their final year. Uh, like, learn your skills in your second and third, second and, uh, second and th- penultimate year. Learn your skills, hone your skills. So in your fourth, 
fourth year, uh, I can teach you how to look and be an artist. Uh, because um, if you don't, you won't. It won't work. Uh, so that was that was my philosophy, and it was almost based on it. It wasn't deliberately based on, but it was a parallel with uh, Britain's Got Talent or uh, the X Factor, and it works. And it worked so well that I got accused by other fellow colleagues, members of staff, whatever you want to call them, of being. Why do you always get all your students to get first-class honours? Um, that's not right. So I would get then... Students being Jenny Saville, Chantelle Joffe. Oh, exactly, yeah. So I could it's Not see, a bad roster. I could see... Um, right, Jenny Saville was... Uh, I could see her... She was special. Chantelle was special. Uh, so you just nurture that the specialness in them. Um, it seems like you've taken what you did within the academic institutions and brought it to the free market. You're kind of doing it within Costume Gallery yeah. without restrictions. They're quite open-minded. Carl Costello Gallery? Yeah. yeah. Um, I like Influencing younger artists. Uh, I like... Uh, I like the philosophy. I don't like all other artists. Uh, well, means no, but I, li I like the spirit that pervades in that gallery. I mean, um, it's it almost takes you back to to the nineties or the eight, late eighties when I was just uh, a graduate, uh, running about the gallery scene in London. Then it was a little bit more liberated and a little bit more wild, and. When I, when I first was asked to, to show at uh, Carol's Gallery in London, I was pleasantly surprised that there was people hanging out windows, smoking cigarettes, drinking, and I thought, this is great, this is just... I mean, not that I was involved myself, but I thought, this is just like the good old days sort of thing, you know? And I think, I think the artwork uh, that he shows has that, has that uh, youthful energy in it, yeah. If um, you could live with one piece of work, what would it be and why? And maybe part of what you like about Costello is money isn't always the deciding factor. So in this case, don't choose because, well, you wouldn't anyway. Uh, right, I've got to think of where I live. So I'd have to change residence. So I'd have to be living in a, a slightly larger... I mean, I live in a good area of Glasgow, but and I like it, but... If I wa was to own, for instance, uh, a large Raphael, um, not I wouldn't specify which one. Not anything by Raphael, because I think some of them are not are a bit dodgy. But I think Raphael's uh, my favourite artist of all time. So I'd probably I could live with a, a one of these. Uh, one of the Raphaels because I think they're so adorational um, and they're so well uh, beautiful I think and you can just every time I'm in London and when I lived in London I'd always go and s sit in front of the I don't know what it's called um, 
There's a big one in the bottom gallery downstairs. It's really amazing. So I'd probably go for a nice Raphael. Is there anything we haven't talked about that you'd like to talk about that's on your mind? Probably, but I can't really think of anything right now. I think, uh, unless you think of, of any other questions, because I'm, I'm kind of, I don't really want to, to start narrating. Uh, I've covered, I've covered most, most uh, where, where it came from, what I wanted to do, why it looks like it does, um, etc. So, uh, and. It's based on uh, a record of uh, probably geographical locations, whether it be all the different countries that I've worked and lived in, um, and that's that's really about it. So I am a visual artist, stroke, contemporary archaeologist. Alexander Guy, thank you so much for your time and your generosity and uh, looking forward to seeing the time capsules. Thank you too. Uh, and so am I. I'm this collection of work, plus two more at home, which includes the time capsule painting. Uh, so there'll be eight pictures going to Hong Kong. Uh, so... For when? Uh, the 26th of August. So if you're in Hong Kong at the end of August, see Sandy's show there. Otherwise, go to the website, alexanderguy.com. It's different than any other website you'll see, and you'll see areas of his life as he documents them. Thank you again. Thank you. That's a pleasure. You've been listening to Maeve Doyle's Private View. This podcast is produced by Will Fitzpatrick at Soho Radio. The music is by Korshid Homi. Thank you for listening. <laughs>